0: To Genesis. Go ahead and open to Genesis chapter 9. We will take in portions of chapter 8 this morning as we study. You know, uh, two by two, the animals went into the ark along with seven pairs of the uh, clean animals that went in with Noah and his family. And I just couldn't help but thinking this past week that if Noah, uh, the world would be such a, a better place if Noah had just swatted a couple of yellow flies. I mean, when they bite you, I mean, they don't just bite you. They, they come at you, like just dive-bomb you. And then when they hit you, it stings. And it doesn't quit stinging for a while. So it's like, man, somebody should have told Noah. Swat some yellow flies and some mosquitoes and maybe some hornets too. Uh, but all of those animals that were there with Noah on the ark and all of the things that went in on the ark... God brought out of the ark. And that's what we're going to see today, is that God keeps His promises. And not only that, the biblical truth this morning is our God is the only promise keeper. I mean, we we make promises, and sometimes we keep them, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we say things that we mean in the moment, but then we forget. God's not like that. Not at all. If God says it, he does it. Amen to that. And we are comparing the days of Noah to the last days. And so we're going to think about God's promise. And in the Bible, it's the word uh, when God makes a promise that's binding to himself because he's a promise maker. He's also a promise keeper God has been taking it up upon himself to make promises since the very beginning. And that word is called covenant. Whenever God makes a binding promise as the guarantor of that promise. It's called a covenant. And so as we're comparing the days of Noah to today's day, well, what is it like? How is the covenant that God made with Noah similar to the covenant that he's made with us? Remember Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39, Jesus said, For as were in the days of Noah, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware till the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And so today can be compared to Noah's day. And in the fact that Noah received a covenant from God, we've received a covenant from God, we can say that today's day is very similar to that day because the God that kept the promise to Noah is the same God who will keep his promises to you. Amen. I want you to stand with me and we're going to read from chapter 9, Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. All right. Now I want you to skip down with me. We're going to skip all the way down to verse uh, 15. I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you love us enough. You've promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we thank you for your promises that are are so true today, Lord, that will have their fulfillment in Christ. Every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. Father, we thank you that as in the days of Noah, whenever you had mercy and forgiveness toward that man and his family, Lord, you have mercy and forgiveness to all of his offspring, all of those that are here today, that even though we're faithless sometimes, you remain faithful. Your God, thank you for the promise that you are going to come again one day and the clouds will part. And Lord, we will see Jesus descending and we will live with you forevermore. We hold on to that blessed hope today. We look forward to the fulfillment of your promise. And in the meantime, Lord, let us live like we are sons and daughters of the King. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, what, what is similar to the the Noah covenant that it is similar to the new covenant in Christ? What is similar? And and how can we compare these two covenants together? The first thing that I want you to see is that because he's made a covenant to you and me through the blood of Jesus, he will never forget you. He will never forget you. He's always going to remember. Now listen to what it says in chapter 8 in verse 1. So you turn back to chapter 8. and We're going to pick up some of the passages uh, passages in chapter 8. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. Did you see that? God remembered them. Now... When we read a word like remember, you think, well, maybe God had forgotten and then it came to him. Like like it is whenever I walk into Miss Betty's office and I'm ready to to give her some information and I walk through the door and she says, hey, how are you doing? And then I say, I'm doing pretty good. And then she looks at me and then I look back at her. And then she looks at me and did you want to say something? Uh, Yeah, but I can't remember. And then court or somebody will pipe up and say, It only gets worse. And, it, and we just, and we forget, right? Well, God doesn't forget. So, what does it mean for God to remember? What it means is that God turned his attention to Noah and the animals on the ark. It's not that God had forgotten them, because God never forgets. But the point is, is that he turned his attention after having dealt out his wrath. Now he looks at his children in the ark and he thinks of them. The same word is used in Genesis chapter 30 and verses 22. Whenever Rachel, remember, she's being tormented by Leah and she's making fun of her because and all the other women because Rachel is barren and Leah has borne children. But Rachel prays to God. She does everything in her power, right, to 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 get a child but finally she just falls on her knees and she prays to God and the bible says God remembered Rachel and caused her to conceive and bear a son and so that same word is used there several times in the old testament to just really just amplify the idea that God looks upon his children With favor and he never forgets them. He never forgets their needs. He never forgets anything that they're going through. No matter what you're facing. God has not forgotten you. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He has your number. And he had numbered the souls on the ark. Several times in the scripture it talks about how there were eight souls on the ark. And God had not forgotten one of them. I mean, they spent the better part of the year floating on the ark. Can you imagine that? Floating on the ark for a better part of the year? Just waiting on God. Imagine the feeling of being lifted up above the earth and the, the, the ark listing back and forth, jostling to and fro by the currents, by the wind and the waves. Imagine the sickness in your stomach. Being on the boat for that many days. And, and some of you, you've been there, right? You've been at sea for the better part of a year? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine the smell, the stench, the odor of the animals, and all of the other smells that you would have smelled? And after about 364 days, all you want is off the ark. That's it. You don't care about anything else. You just want off. You're done with this cruise. I've definitely never taken a cruise before, but I you know, I've thought about possibly doing my sister has invited us to go on a cruise with them next year, and I'm still on the fence. Because I can't imagine being cooped up on a boat with that many people for that long. And I can't imagine what they the Noah and his family went through. I mean you you just imagine being cooped up with that with those people. Even though there were only eight, by about the third or fourth month, they were probably ready to kill each other. The disciples spent one difficult evening on a boat. Just one difficult evening on a boat. Now given it was a smaller boat and there were more disciples, But Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Well, that was in response to what they said to him. Listen to what they said. They said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? In other words, Jesus, where are you when, you, when we need you? Are you paying attention to what's happening to us? Do you not care about what I'm going through right now? How many of you have said things like that? You don't have to raise your hand. But what the story of Noah tells us and teaches us is that he never forgets anything. The Lord God bottles up every tear that we've ever shed. And he holds them in his hand. And nothing that we ever suffer for the sake of our God and for His kingdom and for His glory is ever forgotten. Jesus said that even a cup of cold water that's given in His name will not be forgotten. That it will be rewarded. That's His covenant to us. Jesus was... Suffering agony as he went into the garden of Gethsemane. And he brought all of his disciples in. And then he took with him Peter, James, and John a little bit further. And he set them down and he said, I want you to sit here and I want you to pray while I go a little bit further into the garden. Watch and pray. An hour later, Jesus came back and guess what? They were all sleeping. And Jesus said to them, can you not Watch and wait for 1 hour. And folks, that's what our lives are here on this earth as a Christian, it's just a little, just a little short amount of time. It's just in the light of eternity, it's just an hour, it's just a second. That he calls on us to watch and wait on him and know that he has not forgotten us during that hour. Isaiah 43 and verse 2. I love to read this because it makes me think about passing through and how the the flood was not the destination of Noah and his family. The flood was not the destination of the ark. It was going to land and rest on the top of the mountain in the mountains of Ararat. Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters. The former president of uh, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary always talked about the word of the day and the word of the day for Noah and his family was through. They were going through it, not to it. Amen? And you and I are too. We're going through it, not to it. He says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. And Jesus told His disciples just before he left he said lo I'm with you even to the end of the age he is with us he will not forget us I want to tell you secondly he will never forsake you if you if you think about his covenant for just a moment when he makes a promise about you or me he will never forsake that promise he cannot break his promise it is contrary to the nature of God to lie to you or me. He cannot break it. If he did, he would cease to be God. The writer of Hebrews says that by two unchangeable things he makes a promise. You see, there's nothing greater that God can make a promise about, uh, make a promise to. So he promises to himself. You and I, we, we swear by things, right? We go to the courtroom, they hold up a Bible, we put up a Bible, we put our hand on it and we say, That we swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? So we swear to something greater than ourselves. In the New Testament time, Jesus condemned some of those Pharisees for for swearing by the temple and swearing by this and swearing by that, things that are, are beyond them. Some of you have sworn on your mother's grave. Please don't do that. Your mama would spank you if she knew that you were doing that. But God, because there is nothing greater than himself, swears about himself. And so he says, I will do it. And he makes a covenant with us. And the Lord had told Noah and his family in Genesis 6 that they would be preserved through the flood. he said, but I will establish my covenant with you. In other words, I will make a promise to you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, And your son's wife, wives with you. And then you see in verse 15, the same, almost the identical language when God said, come into the ark. God says, come out of the ark, right? He says, come out of the ark, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your son's wives with you. Your sons and your sons' wives with you. And so the same identical language, and and even though it's translated here in some places, go out, it's still that same word, come. Come out. Eight people are still alive, and all the animals are still alive, and none of them perished. Folks, whenever all of this is over, and it's all brought to an end, and some of you are thinking, it's coming pretty soon, (laughs) And amen to that. It is coming soon. This is all going to be over soon. When the world is brought to an end, those who know Christ, you and I, will still be standing. We'll still be here. We'll still be alive. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same God who promised then is the God who promises that you and I will enter into His rest. We'll go in. Covenant is about a relationship. It's about a God who binds Himself to you and me. Can you imagine that? The God who created everything has chosen to bind Himself to you. To make a promise to you. That's amazing that God would do that. The gods of the Greeks never did that. The gods of the Romans never did that. No other God in the history of the world has ever made promises to you and bound Himself to you. God is the only one that has ever done that. Our God. From the very beginning, God had made promises to Adam and Eve. He gave this command to them. He said, God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And, and if, if you were alive in that day, whenever you, you could have seen the, de, the deluge that went out over the earth and all of flesh dying and drowning, you would think God is done. This is over. God's finished with us. And yet here God says the same thing to Noah and his family. He tells them to go out. And he says, bring with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. And aren't you glad that God sent Noah out of the ark and renewed the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply to Noah and his family? Aren't you glad? You know why? You should be glad. You wouldn't be here if Noah had not fulfilled this command. And receive, once again, God's promise. A while back, uh, Taylor got one of those shiny scratch-off sweepstakes advertisements in the mail. You know, that you get from the car dealership. He brought it in. He did what he had to do. Scratch-off, pull the tag, whatever he did. And lo and behold, the numbers matched the prize. We Man, we just won $1,000. All we have to do is show up at the dealership. Well, I tried to convince Taylor that it was a scam to try to get us into the dealership. Taylor, no, no, Dad. There's a number on here. I called it. I called the number. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, come on in. Yeah, it's, it's real. It's real. Just come on in. You, if you come in... The prize will be waiting. They assured him. They promised him. That a prize would be waiting. Well he convinced me to take him to the dealership. So we went into the dealership with the card in our hand. Went up to the sales desk after waiting in line. To the sales desk. And the salesman we handed him the card. He took the card and he tossed it in the trash along with about a hundred other cards that looked identical and they all had the matching numbers on them. Have many of you have ever been let down? Somebody promised you something. They told you it would be this way. How many of you have ever broken your promise? Thomas Fuller wrote wrote these words he said a man apt to promise is apt to forget and whether we are intentional or not we all break our promises but I'm reminded of what the Bible says about God Numbers 23 verse 19 God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind has he said and Will He not do it? Or has He spoken? And will He not fulfill it? And the rhetorical answer is never. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God hasn't given up on you. Even if you go astray, God's not done with you. His plan for your life is irrevocable. It remains the same. And even if you've neglected to do what God has told you to do, and maybe you've been running from God for some time now, God has never forsaken you. He's not giving up on you. And what He really wants is for you to return to Him. Somebody said, if you feel distant from God, who moved? Well, surely it wasn't God. It was you. And so come back. Not only will he never forget you, not only will he never forsake you, his covenant to you means he will never fail you. God cannot fail. Now look again with me in verses, uh, we'll just pick up in verse 20 and following. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So think about that for just a minute. The first thing that Noah did whenever he got out of the ark, remember, all he wanted to do was get out of the ark, but the first thing that he did when he got out of the ark was turn around and give thanks to God. Now, here's the thing. Noah understood from the offering that Cain offered that just giving a, a... uh, some of the produce of the ground was not what God wanted. It's not suitable for an offering. Noah brought blood before the Lord. He killed an animal. He killed multiple animals and burned them on the offering altar as an offering to the Lord. Now why did he do that? What Noah realized was that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin there is none and so for noah to to step out of the ark and breathe the air of the new creation what it meant was something had to die in noah's day An animal was sacrificed in in our day. We know that Jesus Christ laid down his own life, his body and his blood. His body was broken, his blood was shed so that we could have eternal life and we could enter into a relationship with God and we could live forever because of the forgiveness that was purchased on the cross. So you and I, we only live because Jesus died. And what Noah did was represent that for all of humanity to come. And then God says, in response to that, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done while the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter day and night shall not cease now there's a there's a prophecy in that verse Because He begins with, while the earth remains. And what that indicates to us is that even though God is saying He will never flood the earth again and wipe away humanity the same way, there will be a day that the earth will cease. There will be a day when all of this winds down and we stand before our Creator, the Judge, the Righteous One, and we give an account for every deed that we've ever done in the body. That day is coming, and it's coming sooner than you think. It's coming. There's a promise there. There's a prophecy there. But then he says, seed time, harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God promises that he's going to keep the world spinning until he's done. And some of you think the world is falling apart. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus is holding it all together. Colossians 1, 16 through 18. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Did you hear that? In Christ, all things hold together. That means not just the world around us. Not just the, the sun and the moon and the stars and the, and the universe around us. And not just the earth itself and the, the wind and the waves and the tides and the seas. But it means you and I are held together by the power of Jesus Christ. If he ever took his hand off of you, the Bible says he's holding you together. If he ever took his hand off of you, your brains will become scrambled eggs instantly. You would spin into oblivion. But he's holding you together. You're breathing his air. You're enjoying the life that he gives. Even at this moment. Yes, the world is going down. But if you know him, the one who has all authority, Jesus said, you will rise with him one day. And you will meet him in the air. And he will never fail to fulfill that promise. And we've got all of the, the climate change people out there. Here's the one verse in scripture that refutes everything about global warming and climate change and the disastrous end and a post-apocalyptic world doesn't exist. When the apocalypse happens, it's all over. Summer, springtime, winter, fall, all you have to do is call. And he'll be there. He will never fail you. Lastly, this covenant means he will always forgive you. Now there's one caveat here. Have you entered into that covenant with him? We've got to put that on there before I go any further into this point. Because the Bible says that if you're outside of Christ and you reject Him, all that remains for you is the fearful expectation of His judgment. The wrath of God abides on you if you're not in covenant with Christ. If you're not under the blood. For for Noah and his family, it meant to, to come under the covering of the ark. Inside the pitch, the tar. That word means covenant. And for them, it meant for them to go through the door and come into covenant with Almighty God. For you and me, what it means is that we put our faith in Christ. God renewed the earth and he brought Noah and his family out. And then God told Noah to look up at the sky and see the sign of the covenant. He looked up in the heavens and he saw the rainbow that God put in the sky. i just got to take a moment to say this right here. It absolutely sickens me for the LGBTQ plus community to hijack the sign of the covenant of God it sickens me it doesn't belong to them it belongs to God i'm going to i'll fly a rainbow flag but it's for a different reason absolutely different reason and and, and all this pride month i don't understand why they get an entire month but the bible says god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble the first covenant was was with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15, when God looked at the sin of Adam and Eve and He covered it with an animal, but He told them, He gave them a promise, what we call the Proto-Evangelion, the very first gospel. And what He said to them was that the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, but he would crush the serpent's head. And that was the very first promise that God ever made. And then God made promises all after that. He promised Noah that he would never flood the earth again. There would never be a deluge. Then he made promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and all of their descendants, the people of Israel. He said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And then he made a covenant with David, and he told David that he would never lack a man on the throne. And even to this day, there is a man on the throne of David. His name is Jesus. And then God made a covenant by the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.25 in the same way. Also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The new covenant. We are under that covenant today. A God who keeps his promise is a God who makes promises. Amen. I mean, you can't keep a promise if you don't make one, right? He made a promise. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God's going to say something here in the passage. To Noah. And he talks about, you know, all the way down toward the end, verses 9. Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, for it is for every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you that never again. Shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood? Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Was that because Noah and his family had done everything right? we find out as later on, just just a couple of chapters later, we see the world in chaos again. Noah's a sinner. He get he, he makes a vineyard and then makes wine. And then gets drunk and naked. Just a chapter later. Noah's a sinful man. All of Noah's descendants are sinful men. One of the grandchildren of Noah is named Nimrod. And Nimrod raises himself up against God and says, We're going to build a city and a tower, and we're going to do it in the face of God. And yet God's promise remains. When you sin against a holy God, and and, and, and he even tells Noah that whoever sins against God, his blood will be the reckoning for that. Whenever you sin against a holy God, your sin is worthy of punishment, it's worthy of death, it's worthy of separation from God forever when you sin. And I'm not just talking about the big sins. I'm talking about the the little sins. I'm talking about the sin that you committed this morning on the way to church in the car. That one sin is worthy of keeping you from a holy God for eternity. And what it requires is a blood Reckoning. But because he died for you and me. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. Now, every sin, if it's confessed to God, humbly confessed to God, every sin, past, present, future, is forgiven. Somebody should say amen and hallelujah to that. I don't have to go to hell for what I did on the way to church this morning. And I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. As you contemplate the covenant that God has made, the question should be, are you under the covenant? Have you brought your life under the blood of Jesus Christ? Listen, there is nothing but the blood of Jesus that can save you. Absolutely nothing. The promise of his return is sure. He is going to come and not, not coming as the savior of the world. He will come as the judge of the earth. And you will stand before a holy judge. And the only thing that you will be able to say in that moment Is I plead the blood of Jesus. Nothing else can save you. You won't be able to say, Well, I was a good person. Remember, one sin is all it takes to be separated from a holy God. We won't be able to say, Well, I, I came to church. I prayed prayers. Listen, none of that, all those things are good, but none of that really matters whenever it comes to your eternity. Without the blood of Jesus, you will stand before holy God and you will be condemned and you will suffer his wrath for eternity. But all of that can change right now because he's offering to you the same promises that he offered back then. That he will forgive you. He'll make you a new person. His cleansing will happen not on the outside but on the inside in your heart if you will receive him now. And if you Desire that. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It's simply your your dedication of yourself to God. You're trusting in Christ to forgive you from your sin. It starts with confession. Say this prayer with me in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve to be separated from you. For eternity. But Jesus I believe that. You died for me on the cross. And Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. I know you're alive today. So give me a home with you in heaven. You are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for my salvation. And I'll spend the rest of my life. Loving you and living for you. In your holy name I pray. Amen. You stand with me. If you've prayed that prayer. The Lord Jesus has heard your prayer. He's made a promise that if you come to Him. If you call on His name. Then you will be saved. He promises that. It's not based on anything that you've ever done. It's based on the fact that you have just called on the name above every name. The name of Jesus. By whom every knee will bow. And I promise you, one day you're going to be in heaven because of your faith in him. And it's not based on anything that I have to say. It's based on his word and what he said. And so if that's true for you today, we invite you to come and share what Jesus has done in your heart. If you need prayer, our altar is open. You can come and pray. If you want to join Myrtle Grove Baptist Church and you know that God has called you here to join this church, you come. This is your opportunity as well. If you need to be baptized, we want to offer that to you. If you've never been baptized, but you believe in Jesus, you come. Whatever the case may be, you come as the Lord leads you. And let us sing together, Just As I Am.
1: Just as I am with. uh mm-hmm.
0: Said some of us, if we're being honest, we've broken faith with the Lord even today. Right of Hebrews says, when we are faithless, he is faithful. But what he wants you to do is acknowledge that sin before him, to bring it under the blood right now. He said, if we confess. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So you take it to him right now. No one's here to judge you, no one's here to condemn you. We love you. And the Lord Jesus is, he's not condemning you. He's the one who died for you, he shed his blood for you. So bring it to him. Take, take just a moment right now in silence and confess. And find cleansing. Lord, thank you for the forgiveness that you're giving us right now. Purchased by the blood of Jesus. Thank you. sing, I come broken.
1: I come broken to be mended.